It is the Dubcast, Bo Bishop, Johnny Ginter on a Tuesday. Uh, Bo Bishop coming to you from the Cuyahoga Valley National Park where it is uh, Hoth and uh, I'm snowed in. And uh, I, we actually, I couldn't get down to Columbus today to do the show. So I had yeah. to do it out of Akron. Um, I mean, I probably could have, but it was so brutal, like just trying to navigate a half hour around here. What normally would be a half hour drive became an hour and a half. So I'm like, there's no way I can get all the way to Columbus. I'm sure down yeah. there it was uh, the the high high Sierra, but here it was just ridiculous. Yeah, for, it sounds like from the sounds of things, you were going to have to cut open like a tauntaun and sleep inside or something. <laughs> you try to get down. That's it was felt bad. Lightsaber out, just slice it open. It's amazing how the guts just come out of the thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. They just fly right it's out. Like a, like, a it's like a pinata. It's awesome. They really do. They just pour right out. Uh, you know, wow. we don't do this often, buddy. Uh, but I want to start with a quote because this quote to me um, is very interesting. And so let me take you back to last week. Ohio State loses to Rutgers in the first round of the Big Ten tournament. And this is a quote uh, from your head coach, Thad Mata, that was said in the postgame. And I'm quoting now. He says, I think it's ridiculous that we have to do stuff like that. Gene and I met a couple of weeks ago. It's amazing what people do nowadays. This is a very fickle business now that we're in. Uh, he continues, unless you're intimately involved on a day-to-day basis, people choose the negative size, side of things. It's what they do. He continues, obviously gas is poured on the fire. It's sad that sports has come to where you got, where you got to do stuff like this or like that. And that's the end of the statement. And um, so number one, I think we basically called this. I mean, for a oh, month. Yeah. I've been describing how this was going to go. Like this conversation between Gene and Thad was going to go. Gene walks into the door. Thad says, what in the blue hell are you doing here? Gene <laughs> says, we need to talk. Thad says, you get the hell out of my office. I'm not having a conversation. Gene puts out this statement. Thad has the reaction he has. It, it, it has all played out perfectly. Now, what I would say is interesting about this is this is what happens when you've been in a place in a long time and you've accomplished a lot, but the program has flatlined. And, and that's where we are right now with the Ohio State basketball program. I mean, this, this is a team that, that lost to Rutgers by nine points in front of what looked like about 1,000 people in Washington, D.C. last week. This is a team that did not make the NCAA tournament and did not make the NIT. So they are playing no postseason basketball for the first time in Thad's modest tenure when he was actually eligible to play. So that's where you are. Um, you are what your record is, and that's what the record is. They missed the tournament now two years in a row. I don't know that there's anything that they can do next year to make the tournament, to be honest, because all of the improvement will have to come from within. There's nobody in this recruiting class that's Jared. Jared Sullinger's not walking through the door. Deshaun no. Thomas isn't walking through the door. Greg Oden, Greg, Mike Connolly, they're not walking through the door. None of them. Aaron Kraft ain't walking. None of those guys, right? <laughs> I mean, they're getting Caleb Wesson and a 5'10", 165-pound kid from Virginia. That's who's coming in. And yeah. they're not game changed. They're not. Caleb Wesson may become a nice program player for Ohio State, but he's not Luke Kennard. He's not a program changer. So whatever improvement that this team has is going to have to come from within. And over the last four, you know, really the last four or five years of the program, we just haven't seen the improvement from within. So I'm not optimistic that this will be dip, that we won't be having the same conversation a year from now, and that the conversation will then be uh, that Thad Model will be pushed out the door. And and I've been on the record on this show and in any other platform that will have me for a long time that, that Thad Mata built the modern-day Ohio State program. He deserves, deserves full credit for that and will, should always be beloved. His name should be up there you know, in the rafters. I, I think that's, that would all be deserved. But he's also paid as a top-10 coach in, in the NCAA. And so when he says things, it's ridiculous to me that we have to do that type of stuff. And this other one, it's a very fickle – Thad – 
You're being paid over $3 million a year to coach basketball, dude. Yeah. There's an expectation that comes with this. Are you so blind? He can, this line, it's sad that sports to come, that sports has come to where you got to do stuff like that. Buddy, you are paid <laughs> as a top 10 coach in the league. Now, you deserve that, or in the country. Now, you deserve that pay based on what you've done here, okay? But but now you have to earn that money. And so to be so delusional, to take, I'm, that surprised, it didn't surprise me at all because I know him and I know this is how he would react. But there has to be some part of him, privately at least, that would acknowledge that this is a reasonable pushback from the fan base and from his athletic director, does it oh. not? Yeah, no, and I, I wrote something about this uh, last week where I compared. I, I couldn't get that stupid Billy Joel song uh, "Pressure" out of my. Oh, head. I saw that. That was great. That made me, I, God, that. I hate Billy Joel, but I got to tell you something. So, but but I was kind of PO'd about. It. I don't think I don't think my my writing really conveyed how irritated I was with that kind of comment, especially when you go out and lay an egg against Rutgers of all teams. But right. you know, you compare what Michigan went through, and again, like I know it's taboo to like talk about how Michigan's great and all this other stuff, but they were in a freaking plane crash. Like the plane right. was literally on fire. They have to play in their warmups. It's just a That's horrible right. situation. They only delay the game by 20 minutes, you know? So they're dealing with all kinds of adversity. They go out there and they kick the crap out of their opponent. And like, mm -hmm. you know, they, I would say that the kind of resilience that they showed, like that takes a lot of mental toughness and takes a lot of, you know, intestinal fortitude that you don't see out of an Ohio state basketball team no. playing the worst team in the big 10 with yep. everything on the line. I don't understand how you can come out after the game and kind of shrug your shoulders at that. Or even before say like, I can't believe the heat that we're getting here. Like clearly there is something missing from your team when a Michigan team that almost dies at a freaking plane crash can outperform you when you have everything to play for and nothing to lose. I, I just, I don't get that mentality. I'm glad they're not playing in any postseason play. The NIT would have been torture, especially if they had actually managed to win a game. Um, right. I just, yeah, I, I'm frustrated by it, but frankly, I'm glad the season's over. I'm glad I don't have to see like Mark Loving, like half-assing a rebound anymore. Like I just, I'm I'm just glad that this is finally kind of behind us. And if Thad Mono wants to keep his job, he's got a lot of work to do in the next few months because you're right. You're not going to have a superstar that's going to buoy the team next year. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to make the NCAA tournament not suck and somehow take players that couldn't even make the NIT and turn them into, you know, Big Ten contenders. That's going to be hard. And well, there's, there's going to be attrition, too. There's going to be guys who leave. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It is going to be hard. And there's going to be guys who are going to leave, Johnny. I mean, guys oh, yeah. are going to leave. They're going to test the draft. None of these kids are going to get drafted. But some of them may just say, I've had enough. They may pull a Brian Hartline and just say, you know what? I don't care where I'm drafted. I don't care. I'm going to go make some money playing overseas. But I can yeah. see Jaquan Lyle doing that. Um, you know, I, I think all of that stuff is in play. And if you just look at this roster and you just say, where are the wins going to come from? And and frankly, even if they snuck in next year, I don't know. the. I mean, I don't know Big Ten basketball recruiting enough to know who's going to be great and who's not a year from now. Um, but even if they snuck in a, a year, they're not going to be like a three seed, <laughs> no. right? I mean, no. they're not going to be, they're not going to win the big 10. Right. Um, so at best they're going to be the seventh or eighth, six, seven, eight team in the big 10. I can't see it being any better than that. And so, and so you're going to, so what, so, the, the, so what do you get out of that? 
Right, and that's my question though. Like, what is enough to keep for Thad Mata to keep his job, and, and what is realistically, you know, feasible for him to do that he can keep his job? Because I don't see it in that at all. Like, I don't think that's going to satisfy Gene Smith. Well, it, what it's not going to satisfy the fan. It, this is going to come down to, and I t- we talked about this about right around it was in January, a January podcast. You and I talked about it, and I said what this will come down to is dollars and cents. Right, and if the Columbus Blue Jackets continue to thrive. And, and continue to take eyeballs and corporate money away from Ohio State basketball, that is when there will be a push. And you watched Ohio State basketball games at home this year, and you saw those that attendance. Right. And there's nothing next year that's going to bring anybody to, that, to, that, to the shot to watch yeah. basketball. I mean, FirstOhioBattery.com, by the way, guys. FirstOhioBattery.com, check it out. <laughs> that's right. Good plug. The czar will be happy. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, that's the new site that the czar launched um, for, for, the, for the Blue Jackets. Um, but I'm looking at like, I'm looking at these recruiting classes. Okay. Let me, let me just, let me just, let's talk out loud. Like we're friends for a second here. Next year's <laughs> class has two dudes and Caleb Weston is a four star and he's a nice player. He's a six, eight, two eighty kid. Uh, Braxton Beverly's the three star kid out of Virginia that I mentioned. Who's five ten, one sixty five. I can't imagine him amounting to much, at least certainly his first year. Weston mm-hmm. may be really good. I've, I've seen people say, compare him to Selinger. That's nonsense. Stop it. Jared Sullinger was the best player on the best high school basketball team in the country his senior year. They were upset by Reynoldsburg and um, a little kid named Stevie Taylor who didn't miss a shot in a regional final, but they beat everybody. They beat Finley Prep. They beat everybody that they played. And Jared Sullinger was the best player on that team. He was the national high school player of the year. Caleb Wesson is nice. He's not Jared Sullinger. And furthermore, he's not coming in with Aaron Kraft and the rest of that class that Jared Sullinger came in with. Deshaun Thomas and everybody else. He's not coming in with those guys. We would kill to have Jordan Seibert right now. You'd kill to have him. You don't have any of those. There's none of that. So, I mean, you don't want to be like, I guess my point of this is, and then even in 2018, uh, that's when the Dane Goodwin, who's at Arlington, who's a nice kid, 6'4", 170. I saw somebody compare him to Diebler. Dane Goodwin's a nice player. John Diebler is six foot seven, legitimate. This kid's 6'4". Is he going to be able to get his shot off? In the Big Ten, I don't, yeah. I don't know. I haven't seen enough. It'd be silly of me to, to sit here and comment and act like I know for sure. But I just know the measurables. He's not Diebler. Diebler scored eighty points in a game. In yeah, high school. well, it's. I, I mean, mean, like this is different. This is a different level. Right, and I and I and I agree with that. And, and if you are trying to like save a program through recruiting, I mean, they've got the number one guy in the state. You know, hopefully coming in, uh, and Darius. And I, you know, like. That's cool, but again, you're right. These are not national players. Like the state of Ohio in general is not super great the next few years, I think, in terms of basketball recruiting, at least as far as what Thad Mata is going to get. And I just, I look, I'm not going to call for this dude's job like right now. I'm not going to predict him, you know, not being back at the end of next season, but I also just don't know what the path forward is. And and a lot of things can change, you know, in the next few months, but you've got to have some kind of attitude adjustment. You've got to get him in the weight room. Uh, if you like, I was looking at pictures from. Uh, well, I was looking at pictures of Mark Loving over the past four years, and you're just like, uh, has this dude like ever like done anything beyond just you know play basketball? Has he ever like done any kind of athletic activity besides just shoot hoops for four hours a day? Because he just Johnny, where like where's their Mickey Marotti? Yeah, you you gotta have a guy who just kick him right to get all bulky, but you can't have fat kids. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're this is Division One. Sure. You can't have out of shape kids. And you had, I mean, this is the big 10. This is Ohio yeah. state. You asked what is, what's, what does he have to do to keep his job? I'm, I'm hesitant to even say this 
but but I almost I'm I'm to the point where I'm starting to believe it. And again, he's a he's just a great guy. I don't know what the point of him coming back next year is, Johnny. I really right. don't. I don't know what the point is. It's just going to prolong it. It's going to prolong. Uh, it, it feels like a prolonged death march to me. I think he's going to hang on for one more good year, um, and I think he's going to chase it. And he the the problem here is he can't build it the way he can't rebuild it the way he built it, and because five star kids aren't aren't showing up uh, for for teams that lose to Rutgers in front of a thousand people, it's done. Great. So um, I I just feel like this is prolonging the inevitable, and unless. I think at the very least, what what I think will clearly happen is the coaching staff will be shaken up. Um, if Chris Gent doesn't get the the Cleveland State job, obviously I think he he re- returns. But I think both Paulus and and Dave Dickerson will be shown will be you know hey boys go get a job situations, right. um, which that'll be hard for Thad because he's not going to want to admit that he's wrong. I can see John. It'll be Gross harder for Paulus because I don't know who's going to hire him. <laughs> well, and I think if you if you want to talk, Greg's a nice, really nice guy, and. Yeah. Um, I think if you think about, you know, Thad put a lot of eggs in that basket. Yes, yes. You know, he put a lot of eggs in the Greg Paulus can go uh, secure me five-star players because he had some notoriety from Duke, um, and it just hasn't happened. You know, he just hasn't been, and he's not been an elite recruiter. Um, so they don't have anybody that can recruit like that. They don't have anybody um, – on their bench that can go secure five stars and Thad can close the deal. So he's having to do more recruiting and he's, it's just not going to add up. So I'm to the point where I don't know why, what the point is um, other than, you know, he gets a, he gets to come back next year and maybe they make the tournament, but uh, they're not going to be a contender and they're not going to win the big 10 or anything like that. The makeup isn't there. You guys know the roster as well as we do. There's nothing there. that's going to magically become a big 10 champion. So, you know, I'm, I, I don't want to, you know, I knew this is a week later, but it's been something that's brewing. And then just watching that selection Sunday and realizing Ohio State wasn't in it and yeah. then no NIT, it just kind of hit home of like where you are as a basketball program. And this yeah, is a deep hole, buddy. Well, and, you know, a lot of those teams in the NIT that are getting in, I, I think if you look at, you know, the ratings and things like that and you, you compare them maybe with Kim Palm's form, like Ohio State is, is probably not demonstrably that much worse than a lot of the teams in the NIT. But that's not even really the point. That's not the point. You're right. The NIT wants, yeah, the NIT wants teams that are exciting that people are going to want to see and go like, all right, well, I'll watch this crazy game or something. And if Ohio yeah. State can't even provide that, yeah. then there's no point. I mean, I think the people who are making that kind of selection for the NIT, they saw the Rutgers game and like, this is clearly a team that just does not care anymore. Like they're yeah. done for this season. Point. And there's no point. There's no point in bringing in a team like that. It doesn't matter whether you're, you know, marginally better or statistically better than some of the other teams. If you're not exciting, a tournament like the NIT does not want you. And no. frankly, Ohio State shouldn't even be entertaining thoughts of any other tournament. Um, so I just, you know, it definitely feels like there's that huge amount of malaise that's set in. We've talked about that pretty much all mm-hmm. year. And you've got, man, you've got however many months until the next season starts to try to figure something out to make the team at least exciting or interesting. Because if you can be somewhat better, if you can make the NCAA tournament and be interesting that might be enough in my opinion, but I just, I don't, I I'm with you, dude. I don't know that I necessarily see it. It's going to be really rough. Like you've got it. That motto it has going to have to do something that a lot of coaches at his position who've been coaching hit that long do not want to do, which is to make huge wholesale changes to their style and to the makeup of how they approach the game. And I just, I don't see it. I don't see it happening either. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you basically need at the minimum, I think a D'Angelo Russell season, but D'Angelo Russell's not coming in. Right. I mean, that year they were the eight seed. 
eight or nine. I can't remember. I remember going to the games in Portland and they won their first game and then they got smoked by Arizona in the second game. But right. at least you could watch D'Angelo. You know, yeah. <laughs> at least right. you had that. Yeah, exactly. They were fun to watch. Um, you know, this team won't have that. Um, all right. Real quickly on football. We spent a lot of time on last week's show talking about JT Barrett. And then on Thursday of last week, JT Barrett was made available. And, um, you know, we coined it last week on the program. This is the JT Barrett season for better or worse. It's the JT Barrett season. Um, it's his third offensive coordinator in four years. And it's as if uh, Kevin Wilson has been hired to get the most and best out of Barrett. And Barrett is in a position to make Kevin shine quite a bit, too, because he could quickly get another job um, if he if this offense looks great in the next couple of years when he's the offensive coordinator. But JT said something that just slayed me last Thursday. And I'm sure if you pay attention to the site, and many of you do, you know what it is. But when he is asked about Tate Martell, and he says, well, why don't you ask him? And then he says, well, <laughs> why don't you have Jerry bring him out? And and Jerry is Jerry Emig, the Ohio State Sports Information Director, who does an excellent job. And he says, why don't you have Jerry bring him out? Well, obviously, they're not going to let Tate Martell talk to the media in, right. in spring football. That's right. not happening. Probably won't even happen in fall camp. Um, probably won't talk to that kid until next year at the bowl game. But that, that's just the way it is. So JT, you know, he does that. And then the final line is, I can tell you this, it ain't Bishop Gorman. <laughs> and I just, it just slayed me on, on a number of levels. Number one, the last thing that JT Barrett, who has finished fifth in a Heisman, who does own every record in the Ohio State record book uh, of merit and will certainly own all of the quarterback records of merit by the time he's done playing his senior year, barring injury, and is the first three-time captain in the history of the school. The last thing that he wants to be doing is answering questions about a five-foot, 10-inch quarterback from Las Vegas. I mean, right. that's the last thing he <laughs> wants to be doing. Um, and so now he's that guy that gets asked about that. So that's the first thing, because if he's being asked about it, that means that that quarterback's more interesting to the people asking the questions than he is. Um, and so that's that's the last thing. So the fact that he fires right back with that, um, which is just a cold comment, <laughs> basically what you and I said last week, like, how's this kid going to play being right. as short as he is? Um, but that slayed me. I got to tell you, that was one of the funniest comments when I saw him and then the way he delivered it, Johnny, it just made, it just floored me. Yeah. I've got, I've got some students, right. Who are just, you know, they're real quiet and they're really nice guys. And, you know, you can just pretty much ask them to do something like, all right, and they'll go ahead and do it. And they're not like, you know, they're not submissive or anything like that, but they're just kind of cool laid back dudes. Uh, but occasionally some kid will like say a comment or ragging on and you can just see the light like shoot up in their eyes and like oh i'm so glad you did that because now i'm going to destroy you and i like i love the fact that you know you've got a crowded quarterback room but jt barrett is just going to love that because that's going to give him you know the excuse that he needs to really lay down the hammer on some of these young guys. And I think honestly, that will be nothing but good for that room to have a guy like JT Barrett with the kind of gravitas that he has, with the kind of experience that he has with the records that he has. If he sees any of those guys get out of line, he can lean on them and make them look as small as a pea. Cause <laughs> frankly, Dave Martell is fairly small. It's pretty and short. It, all you got to do is really point that out. And, <laughs> You know, point to his own accomplishments. I just, I right. love it. I, I think it's awesome that he yeah. is you know, pulling it's out great. the weenie arm stuff. It's, I want him to be mad. I think that's awesome. Yeah, he, he has accomplished too much to allow the hype to build up around players who have not even played a single down in college. That's football. right. Yeah. So the I'm, other I'm, thing, I'm, I was talking, I think that's awesome. I am too. The other thing, we talked to this on the, on the television show today, and you can check it out on Spectrum Sports this week. It re airs a lot of times. And please be kind because I had to do it in Akron. 
and Tim and Eric <laughs> were in Columbus. So we did it like through some absurd satellite and it, it's, you know, it is what it is, but we got the show on the air. But one of the things we talked about um, in addition to the JT stuff is how uh, there's only one other guy who's in a black Jersey in, in Ohio state spring football. And that's Joe Burrow. He's right. the only other guy you can't touch. You can touch Martell, you can touch Haskins, you can hit him, whatever. You can't hit Joe Burrow. That tells you how important he is and where they think his place is at the moment. Doesn't mean he will be the backup, but I think people have maybe slept on that cat a little bit with all of the hype around Haskins and Martell and right. Emory Jones next year. And Joe Burrow is 6'4". Uh, he's more athletic than you think. He's in the Alex Smith mold. Uh, more athletic than you think. He's got a nice arm. He can make all the throws. Um, Joe Burrow is not someone to sleep on. And I hope Buckeye fans kind of remember that. And I have a feeling they'll get a reminder over the next month um, that he's there too. And he's a coach's kid. So, you know, he, coaches' kids tend to know what the hell they're doing. So right. I think I think Joe Burrow is going to appoint himself pretty well over the next month. Yeah. And there's a whole lot of just small non-football things that you have to know how to do as a quarterback at Ohio State. You know, in terms of leadership, in terms of like workouts and all these other things that you have to do that are you have to have a lot of self-direction. And if you've been in the program for a couple of years, you're going to understand how to do that stuff. If you're a hot shot recruit who's coming in high on your own supply, maybe you don't know how to do that quite yet. Yeah. So, you know, and honestly, like it's funny because all those same you know superlatives that you give to Joe Burrow, you could possibly say about JT Barrett. You know, going oh, into course. the 2014 season. So I, you know, yeah. I think he's better prepared than pretty much anybody else on the team. Obviously, uh, to be the backup. Um, and honestly, in the in the flashes that we've seen of him, I mean, he looks. I mean, he's very athletic. He's a smart guy. I think he'd be very good. Yeah, yeah. So that that'll be fun to watch for. But I wanted to bring that up. Uh, all right, let's do a little wrestling talk, my friend. Yes. And with that, we bring on our buddy, Kurt Heinrichs, who handles the wrestling for us at 11warriors.com. And b- before we get into the specifics of Ohio State, uh, for, the, for the people who listen, who, who don't normally take in the wrestling, what, what led you to it, to want to cover it, the passion for it, the interest you have for it? It's clear in your writing. Um, what, what led you to, to, for it to be something that, that you wanted to pursue and, and that you had such a great interest in? You know, uh, uh... Well, first of all, thanks for having me on, you guys. I appreciate it. But, uh, you know, what actually brought me to, you know, kind of cover the sport of wrestling for 11 Warriors is a couple of years ago, I noticed I was, you know, following the brackets and printing them out and, you know, coming up with my uh, own predictions and and projections and how things would play out. And, uh, you know, I had followed the program since I was in school, uh, right about the time Tom Ryan took over. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of something I've stuck with. And I realized that 11 Warriors didn't really uh, cover the wrestling team. So I kind of spoke with Jason and, and uh, here I am. On this show, we refer to him as the czar. The czar. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, that's right. That's okay. So, that, well, that's good. That's a, so, so that's the backstory of it. What, what you have now, and it, this isn't now. I mean, this has been for a while. And, and I will be out of my depth on this a lot when it comes to wrestling. Um, covered it from afar on the high school level when I was in Montana a little bit. It was a huge deal. Um, I've covered the Ohio State High School Wrestling Championship, an enormous deal, um, and have been to a match or two at Ohio State, but but really am out of my depth. But this has been going on for a while with Tom, and he has built a program that is one of the great ones in the NCAA. As you've watched him build this, um, for, for people who who, again, aren't plugged into wrestling the way you are how impressive is it what he has done here at ohio state 
Well, you know, uh, one of the things that I mentioned last week, uh, two weeks ago rather, is that Ohio State won the outright Big Ten title um, this past season. Uh, And just to kind of give you an idea of how rare that is, the last time they won, Harry Truman was the president of the United States. (laughs) So, uh, I mean, basically, Iowa. It's been a while, right? Yeah, that's, it, I mean, that's it, a few years. It's been a long time. <laughs> uh, so, you know, just to give you an idea, Iowa generally dominates the Big Ten, and then, you know, sporadically Minnesota would take over for a while. Um, but mostly it's been Iowa. So Tom Ryan is an, Ohio, an Iowa guy, rather, um, wrestled under the great Dan Gable and has really turned the Ohio State program around. Ohio State, generally under Russ Hellickson, would have an All-American or two each year. Um, and now, uh, under Tom Ryan, they have, you know, four or five and generally a national champion or two each year. What causes that to happen? I mean, what, what kind of attitude shift does Ryan bring to allow that kind of improvement to happen so quickly? You know, it might sound kind of cliche, but Tom Ryan is one of those guys that, uh, you know, he, he really has like a culture uh, of success around the program. I mean, he brings in guys that, you know, especially, and I've discussed this with him as far as recruiting, he brings in guys uh, that are excellent athletes, are excellent wrestlers, are excellent students, um, and, and, uh, you know, excellent teammates. And, you know, you don't really see any guys that are, um, you know, me first kind of guys on the team. You know, you see guys that are out there cheering for one another and and helping to make other guys better. Uh, A great case in point in that is, is Kyle Snyder, who was taking an Olympic red shirt last season and, you know, was approached by the coaching staff saying, Hey, you know, we think we could make a push for an NCAA title if you came back. And so Kyle waived the rest of his Olympic red shirt year and came back at the beginning of January last year and, uh, you know, won an NCAA title for himself. The team fell short, but, you know, Kyle was doing everything he could to not only meet his goals, but the team's goals as well. So, I mean, it, it really is a culture thing with, with uh, Tom Ryan that he's really brought to Columbus and, and, you know, made it thrive. And you brought up Kyle and that's the the next thing, because this is a, uh, it's a generational star, right? I mean, I, I don't want to overspeak it here, but he wins a national championship. He wins a gold medal um, and a world in a year. I mean, at, at what is he 20? I mean, for, that just seems an absurd. I mean, it would be like if LeBron James played at Ohio state, am I overstating it? You know, it, it, it's, I would say yes, uh, yes and no. You are kind of, uh, the difference between LeBron James and, and Kyle Snyder is LeBron doesn't, it, it is in a team sport um, where he can rely on four other guys on the court, uh, whereas Kyle is out there, you know, Kyle, who's 21 years old, is out there wrestling against, you know, full-grown Russian men um, <laughs> and beating them, uh, beating them at their own game a lot of times in their own backyard. Um, so, so Kyle's actually Kyle better is, than LeBron James is what you're saying. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, I I, 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 you, don't, you don't know the analogy. If you, if you don't follow this all the time, like certainly I was aware he won a national title. I'm aware that he wins a gold medal. I'm aware that he wins a world championship, but I don't know what that means. It's other than it's very impressive. Um, so when you say that it's even more impressive uh, than like what LeBron is, I mean, that's that lends credence to what he's done and that's why he's getting the attention that he so rightfully deserves and and you know kyle is is going to be a front runner this year for his second ncaa title 
but that kind of pales in comparison to what he's already done. I mean, he he's won in uh, you know a spot on the uh, uh, USA you know wrestling team, the world team, and then he won the world gold medal, and now you know he's won an Olympic gold medal. So you know, while a lot of guys their absolute wildest dream would be an NCAA championship. Kyle's looking for a second, and that is probably you know his third or fourth biggest accomplishment. So, I mean that it's just outstanding. It, you know, there's there's a handful of guys in the world that can, uh, you know, even dream of the things that Kyle ha- is achieving and has already achieved. So okay, he talk- has he 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 lost the first time around though, right? Like he can't win four, right? Correct. He uh, was a an NCAA finalist at 97, 197 pounds as a true freshman, okay. um, and was actually pinned in that match. Uh, so, very interesting. Um, and he hasn't been beaten since in in the NCAA. So, that's crazy. Um, actually, you know what, Kurt? So here's what I want to ask you about, because I am not, I'm still pretty much a layman when it comes to wrestling. Like I like watching it. I think it's really interesting. I like the, you know, the, the really one V one kind of nature of it, but what makes Kyle Snyder so good as a wrestler? What separates him from every other wrestler that you might see, you know, in the, in the NCAAs that are coming up and pretty much any other wrestling match you might watch? Well, Kyle uh, competes in internationally at 97 kilograms, which, you know, uh, I don't have my slide rule out, but I think it's like <laughs> 211 pounds. Um, and college heavyweight is 265, 275. Um, so he's wrestling guys that are huge compared to him. I mean, in last week's Big Ten finals, he wrestled Connor Medbury who's every bit of a heavyweight. I mean, you know, Connor's got tree trunks for legs and, uh, you know, Kyle is, you know, out there 40, 50 pounds lighter and is still able to take it to these guys, which is just impressive. Um, but the thing that really separates Kyle from a lot of the heavyweights is he has, you know, and, and this sounds like the, again, cliche defensive lineman uh, thing where, oh, he's got a great motor. Kyle is one of those guys that, We'll just attack from the opening whistle until the you know the the referee raises his hand. He goes out there and uh, you know sets the pace against these big, strong heavyweights and just takes it to them and and breaks them. It it really is incredible. I've never seen anything like it, especially out of a heavyweight. All right, so the national tournament is this weekend in St. Louis, correct? Correct. Okay, so you win the Big Ten two weeks ago. Penn State's the yep. favorite, right? I mean, they won it last year, national championship last year. They won like five of six, right? Something like that. They've had the dom And Cale Sanderson's the coach there who was the four-time, never-lost uh, champion from Iowa State. And uh, they've they've kind of have the model program over the last, you know, I don't know what it's almost a decade worth now after they stole him from Iowa State. So um, right. this, is, this is a guy, th- th- they're the front runners, but Ohio State did this a couple of weeks ago. What needs to happen for them to repeat that feat and, and, and get a national chipper? Well, Ohio State, uh, you know, won a national title a couple of years ago, uh, and that was a year that Penn State did redshirt a lot of their guys, uh, kind of uh, almost reloading for last year. Um, but it, now it looks like Ohio State and Penn State are, are both, um, you know, going all out for this one. Uh, if Ohio State is going to win the second NCAA title in program history, they're really going to have to avoid the upset. I mean, the NCAA tournament is it's stacked at every weight class, obviously. 
Um, but we have uh, Nathan Tomasello, who's a you know Northeast Ohio kid at 133 pounds. He's undefeated um, and is a one seed. And then Kyle Snyder is also undefeated at heavyweight. Um, so you know those guys are going to need to go out and score big points for the team. And then you know other guys. Miles Martin is a is a defending NCAA champion at 174. He's up at 184 this year. He's going to have to advance throughout the bracket um, and, and avoid the early upsets. I mean, a, a lot of guys are going out there trying to make a name for themselves. You know, wrestling, you know, for example, Snyder wrestles a, a kid from Buffalo um, in the opening round. That You know that kid's going to go out and, and try to, <laughs> you know, throw everything he's got at Kyle to make a name for himself, to put himself on the map. So, you know, these highly, highly seated Buckeyes are really going to need to go out early, take care of business, not look, you know, look ahead to the next match, but really, really get the job done early on uh, because, you know, Penn State's going to be doing the same. Yeah, I just I, I think it's really fascinating how, you know, provincial, I guess, wrestling is as a college sport, because, you know, I, I love the fact that the Midwest can kind of claim it as maybe it's, you know, official sport in some ways. And I also think it's really cool that you've got all of these, you know, Big Ten athletes who can make, you know, noise on a on a world stage. I think that's really awesome. And I don't know, I mean, how do you see the future of Ohio State wrestling going? Is this just going to be like a really good group of guys, or is this something that Ryan can continue, you know, for years to come? I think it's a little bit of both. This is an absolute ridiculous group of guys that they have. Tomasello. Uh, was a really high recruit coming out of high school. Bo Jordan was the, uh, is at uh, 174 pounds. He's the number three seed in the country. Um, he was the number one recruit his year, uh, number one recruit in the country, as was Kyle Snyder the following year. So, I mean, this is one of those things that, you know, Ohio State wrestling is, is kind of on par with, you know, I want to say like an Alabama football, where they're just bringing in the best guys in the country, the guys that they want, and uh, you know, so I do think this is sustainable for Tom Ryan, especially if he continues having the success that he's having, and he can show these, you know, 16, 17-year-old kids, look, look what we're building. We're putting kids in the Olympics in Rio, and uh, you know that doesn't have to stop there. You can you can be a part of that too if you come to Ohio State. Um, Tom Ryan uh, spearheaded a campaign where they're getting a new wrestling facility built. Uh, just off of campus. So, I mean, they're going to have an outstanding facility and they're going to have outstanding talent in that facility. So, yeah, I think this is something that is very sustainable. Well, the future's bright for the for the program and certainly for you, my friend. This is your first time on the show and we really do appreciate it and we appreciate your writing and everything you've done for the site. Um, there is a fever that is uh, building with this. With the, It's been building all season. You've done a great job chronicling it. Thanks for the time, bud. Thanks, Bill. All right, great stuff there. Um, all right, time. Do we have any ask us anything this week? We're about we to do, here, my friend. Uh, you guys can ask us anything uh, by sending us an email or a, a you know a tweet. You can hit us up on Twitter at eleven dubcast, or you can send us an email uh, to dubcast at eleven warriors dot com. And we've got several good questions this week, so let's, okay. let's do it. Uh, first one's from a good friend, Alvin. I, I think I missed this one a few weeks ago, so he kind of bumped it up for me. I appreciate it. Uh, he said, what other sports and non-sports podcasts uh, that we recommend? So are there any that you uh, particularly, you know, can't miss yeah. and things like that? Sure, yeah. I, I listen to the Tony Kornheiser podcast pretty, uh, probably four times a week, three or four yeah. times a week. I've always loved Kornheiser. He was one of the guys on um, – the uh sports reporters when i was a kid that i just love i just thought he was so funny and then his writing was hilarious with the washington post 
and he brings a lot of that to his podcast, which is um, it's just a lot of fun. And they do a lot of politics and sport. They do basically a man show is what they do. Um, so I do that one. And then I do the Morning Joe podcast, which is the first 40 minutes of their show. I like yeah. Joe Scarborough and I like that crew. I like yeah, that's, that's So that that's gives me a pretty good feel about what's going on in the world. So those are the two that I uh, listen to most religiously. And of course, along with this one. Yeah, politics aside, I think Joe Scarborough is a pretty good like broadcaster. I think he has a really good ear for that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, I agree. Yeah, and I kind of appreciate that. Like again, politics completely aside, I just think that's cool that you know when somebody has a handle on it like that. Um, I you know I really don't listen to a lot of podcasts, uh, but I will say that you know we've kind of we've partnered with these guys a little bit, the Go Iowa Awesome guys. Uh, the podcast that they have been doing for years, in particular the. Uh, song parodies that they do as the intro for their um, for their podcast just just slay me every time. Uh, they have the worst equipment in the history of the universe. It's it's like they're talking, <laughs> but it, they're hilarious. Like all those dudes vent and and just pretty much everybody works over there. Um, I I always like listen to them. So yeah, that's I would say that's a pretty high up one for me. And you know I do like listening. I mean I like picking up the occasional like science podcast and stuff like that. I think mm-hmm. it's really cool when. Uh, you see it from places like the Smithsonian or from National Geographic. They'll put some stuff out from time to time. I just I like that in-depth stuff about stuff that you would normally get a lot of information about otherwise. I just I like it when guys can just kind of nerd out about their particular field of study. So I think that's kind of cool. Um, yeah, I, I, that's that's the other thing I do. I chase the topic. Yeah, right. Exactly. Like if, I see, if there's something I'm interested in more of, um, like if there's some way I could get like Shelby Foote's old stuff, like all on one thing, I'd just listen to that before I go to sleep at night. Yeah, I just I love it when people are able to show their expertise in kind of a long yeah. form way like that. Because yeah, you don't I get love that. that. Yeah, you don't no. get that in a lot of other media. Like when you're on television, no. you got like five minutes to say your piece, and then you're done. And I'm like, yeah. it, even it's terrestrial radio elaborate. So yeah. no, and it's the future. Clearly, I mean, it's our it's the present. But I mean, it's on demand audio is where everything's going. Yeah. Okay. So we I got a I got a question here. I can't read. I don't think I can read this guy's. Uh, cv because i don't know that i want to necessarily out him without his permission but this guy (laughs) speaking of experts uh, i'll just tell you straight up this guy has a microbiology phd he's a candidate for that um he's a scholar at uh some kind of institute at arizona state like this guy is just unbelievable and what's funny to me is that that's juxtaposed with this question which is is there a reason that Thad has not offered LeBron James Jr. a uh, scholarship yet? <laughs> so, how old is how, how old's LBJJ? I he's like is he like a seventh grader or something? I was Sixth grader? Say seventh or eighth grade. That's what I was thinking. He's pretty good, apparently. People are looking at he's him. He's very like, good. Well, yeah. He might make yeah, some he'll noise. play at Ohio State if he I mean if they if they're lucky enough to have him. If Cal doesn't steal him at Kentucky. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and that that offer is probably coming um yeah and uh, isn't there a rule that you have to be a certain age now i don't i, I like would at least 14 so. i would hope so uh in a just world that, that would be at least 14 i could be wrong but i think you have to be at least 14 yeah i mean that would that, i would hope for that and maybe that's why that hasn't done that um and that's yeah maybe that's what saves his job uh, yeah. <laughs> and he adds like in fact might as well offer bryce maximus too um <laughs> uh if Saban can offer eighth graders that can offer nine-year-olds yeah so. i mean i it's <laughs> funny i think if um you know that that probably in all seriousness will speak to the you know the validity of stad mod as a basketball coach if i don't think it'll come to that because i think he's dead man walking next year yeah. but, um the reality is 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 that despite them 
we're being the only LeBron team, I think, in the country. Maybe Akron is too, but them for sure uh, in terms mm-hmm. of Power Five. Um, I I don't know that LeBron's kids would go to Ohio State. I mean, he's tight yeah. with Cal. He played for Coach K at Duke, uh at, at the U.S. national team. Um, I don't know if they'd play at Ohio State to be honest. Yeah, I mean, he might be a fan, but he doesn't have connections necessarily to the mm-hmm. to the program. That's a yeah. little different. Uh, okay, so this is maybe this is just one specifically for you, I guess. Uh, this is from Dave, uh, South Bay Buckeye. He says, "Is there any possibility of the TV show going up up in its entirety on something like YouTube?" Um, yeah, this is a shame. We, you know, so let me give you the the nuts and bolts of the TV show. We put that thing together in about a month. Um, J- the Czar and I were talking, and we wanted to try and amplify our, you know, and and spread over into television and uh, potentially radio down the road. And so that's kind of where that's all the genesis of that. And in about two weeks, we put together a television show and, um, we're, we're really happy with our partners at now spectrum sports. Um, but one of the things that's a big, you know, concern for us, and it's a concern for, you know, the cables. I mean, look, think about this. This is the same company that owns the Lakers and Dodgers rights. And those (laughs) games aren't being seen in Southern California. So you think there's complaints about the 11 Warriors show not being shown on direct TV, then you have nothing compared to what's going on in Southern California (laughs) and has been for a long time. Um, but that is one of the things that we're really working towards is, um, you know, we want to be able to own that video and we want to be able to put that stuff on the site or on YouTube, on a YouTube channel so that it can live, um, you know, somewhere else other than just, but they have, look, that that's where they make their living too, is in that world. So, um, you know, one of the things that they like is having a property like, you know, the 11 warriors report and some of the people who are on it. So, you know, they, there's cachet for them too. And I understand why they don't just want to give it to us. Right. And, and that would be cool. I mean, he says he's, you know, that's pretty much the only way we can access it now, but hopefully, yeah. like you said, get a little cachet, get a little leverage and, and make that work. So that'd be cool if yeah. we can do that. Uh, this next one's from James. He says, a few weeks back, we talked about play-by-play guys and specifically Fowler not really bringing the big game field to a broadcast. Mm-hmm. Then he says, uh, I think that due to the Big Ten Fox contract, Gus Johnson may call a lot of Ohio State games, football and basketball. Uh, does he bring more of a big game feel? Gus is great on basketball. Yes. Superb on basketball. And, and it has not maybe the greatest Ohio State call in basketball, right? No doubt. Also no doubt. Ron Lewis shot. No, you can't beat it. Um, but he's he tried doing big-time soccer and fell flat on his face. That was um, bad. He's okay at football, but it seems forced. Bas- he's, basketball's his rhythm. That's just where it is. Um, right. I can tell you, though, that, it, that Fox does have the broadcast rights, but it will not be him – uh, on it that you will I would think you would more than likely feel pretty confident about it. I don't even know if it may have already been released but I think it's going to be Tom Brenneman and Chris Spielman are going yeah, to call and, they're the first team for Fox well um, and James mentioned Spielman as well which I like I'm yeah. a big fan of Chris Spielman on, on he's great actually I think yeah. he's excellent yeah he's a great analyst and Tom does a good job so I think what you're going to get a steady diet of I mean I think like two out of the next three Ohio State Michigan games will be on Fox so after 100 years or whatever on ABC, you're going to see a lot of the Fox guys in rotation. And I think Ohio State will always get first, uh, the first team. So I think they'll get, uh, you're going to get a steady diet of Tom Brenneman and, and Chris Spielman. Yeah, which I'm, I'm fine with. I think that's a decent team. I don't, honestly, I mean, I, I, we've talked about this before. I've got a lot of issues with some of what Fox does in terms of their packaging and, yeah. and how they, they kind of make everything the same. And I, I think one of the things that I mentioned is that they, they want to broadcast a college football game like it's an NFL game. And they don't really see a difference. They're just kind of like it's football, and that that bothers me a little bit. But I agree. You They've know, never overall, had the feel for it. 
Yeah, and, but you know, you got a guy like Spielman who I think can kind of set the tone for that. I think it will be a lot better. I think it will be a a decent uh, pairing, and I, you know, I think it'll be better than maybe what you would typically see on Fox. Because I know a lot of Ohio State fans are probably a little nervous about that, um, but I think it'll be all right. I think it'll turn out okay. So yeah. Uh, okay, so that's Ask Us Anything. Those are the questions that we got this week. Thank you very much for uh, sending those in. I appreciate it. All right, buddy. I'm going to leave the floor for you here at the end because I know there's something uh, very personal for you and for the for the site, um, and some homage needs to be paid, my man. So take it away. Yeah, so, you know, this is something that we had on the site, um, you know, a little bit kind of talking about it. And it's it's not something that I think I want to maybe call a huge amount of attention to because that's maybe not the guy kind of guy that he was but Corey carpenter was um one of the first writers for love and warriors really really good friend childhood friend of jason and and uh chris and um he was one of the original writers for the site uh really helped it grow i didn't really know him super well um you know i would see him at some of the 11 warriors events and stuff, but every time you talk to the guy and I, I mentioned this on, on like at the comments on the post about uh, his death, um, he always made you feel like a million bucks. Like it didn't matter who he was talking to. It didn't matter what the subject was about. You were always the coolest person in the universe when you were talking to Corey Carpenter. And that's, that was, I, I just admire that quality in maybe more than anything else about that guy, because he made you feel special. And I barely knew the dude. Like I met him at, you know, a couple, you know, handful of times and, and whatnot, but just, he was so full of life, just an amazing guy. And, you know, I'm going to try to be kind of that person, you know, for people that I meet. Cause I, I just think it's a startling quality to have. And, um, he was a cool dude. And so he's going to be super missed. Um, he has a young child and a, and a wife that he's leaving behind. And we're going to, you know, try to maybe honor them in a way. Um, but, He's going to be missed because he was just a a really great guy and reminded you of what it takes to be a good person. And uh, he's going to be missed. So, um, you know, pouring out for Corey, listen to uh, some fish, you know, (laughs) huge fish fan. That's Uh, great. Yeah. Yeah. He was just, just, like I said, just a fantastic dude. And and we're going to miss him. So uh, shout out to him. Well, well done, sir. And I know that that that's an emotional one for the for the czar and for Chris and for uh, everybody at the site. So um, you did a nice job there and um, paying proper homage. So well done out of you, my friend. And um, that'll do it for the show this week. We'll be back next week uh, with another dubcast. Until then, uh, we'll see you next week, guys. Yep. See you next week.